Um, so this morning, um, we've got some friends of um, the Willis family, um, Aaron and Diane Lincoln. Now, Aaron and Diane, um, they'll, they will share some of their story, but um, you could, I could probably say if it wasn't for them, I may not be here. So if you've got any gripes to, you know, about that, about me standing here, then it's their fault. So that was your perfect opportunity to go and have a word. Um, but yeah, they'll probably share. So they're going to come up and talk. Um, but they're really good friends of ours. Um, they are American. So when they speak, don't say, whereabouts? That's not a rugby. They live in rugby, but it's not a rugby accent. Um, but don't hold that against them, because I think they've almost lived here almost as long as they lived in the States. Is that right? Not far off. Um, so, and they look quite good, considering, you know, if that, I was in their youth group, you know, so they're not, you know, they're not young young chickens. Aaron's going grey. Nothing to do with me. And then their son, Reese and Finna here. Reese, um, I, w- I will, will embarrass Reese. I wasn't going to, but I will. I used to babysit for Reese when he was a toddler, when he was a bit older than Eleanor. Um, and that makes me feel old, so that's good. So I'll hand over to these guys, and they're going to come and share um, with us. Thank you very kindly. It's great to be here. We brought the sunshine from rugby. Not really. Yeah, so uh, uh, yeah, our accent, if it doesn't sound familiar, it is uh, Midlands. Uh, started in Northampton, and then it went to Sully Hall, and and uh, and more recently we've been lived in rugby for the past six years. So, uh, yeah, it's been... Uh, 20, 22 years we've lived in England. So, yeah, just a few more years and we'll not be American anymore. Well, or at least we'll be whatever. We're, we're glad to live here. We love living and working here. And no, the weather has never been any problem because uh, at least where I'm from in Oregon, uh, it's the same. Moss is healthy year-round, isn't it? Yeah, in the shady spots. It's not the same where I'm from. I'm from the north part of California. It's going to be 41 this week. So just, you know, just saying. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't, I, I don't like that, you know. 20 is good, 20 is good, 20 is a nice friendly temperature, but, uh, no, it's great to be able to come and share and, uh, um, yeah, Pete was telling me where you were meeting this morning uh, the other day and I was like, that sounds familiar, you'll have to describe it to me. Oh yeah, I know where it's at. Sorry, uh, it, just not having lived here since 2000 in Northampton, uh, it's, uh, I was a bit of a loss, but no, I've run here and, Ken and I have run, and I've run all over town, so I should know where I am, and I do know where I am this morning. But we're glad to be able to be here today and share um, maybe one or two things that we know. That's all. God is good, and we've had lots of neat experiences, and hopefully some of those we'll be able to uh, share with you in the course of this morning, and certainly afterwards as well. So as we, as we start, allow me to pray, if you would. God, I thank you that your church family is very large. And even as we are here this morning, there are hundreds and thousands and millions of people who know and love you around the world who are uh, gathering for all kinds of uh, different events. uh, But all of them uh, are to celebrate who you are and to hear from you. And we thank you that you have the ability to more than uh, bless all of us wherever we're at. So, God, I pray that this morning that your spirit would would speak and share with us, and we thank you for those who are working with the children this morning, and pray you bless them and uh, keep them warm while they're out there playing in the water. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to describe to you today uh, a simple model of balanced discipleship. Um, It's a model that uh, a number of Christian teachers are using, uh, and our intention is to give you a tool that you can 
look at yourself and look at your connect group, look at uh, uh, your huddle. I've seen various uh, na- or various descriptions for different groups as a part of CV here. Um, but it's a, it's a good tool for evaluating lots of different uh, uh, aspects of our Christian life. But before we talk about bi- balanced discipleship, uh, I want to ground it in uh, vision and purpose. Remind ourselves, you know, why should we care? Why should we care about balanced discipleship? And what is what is discipleship about? What is God doing in the world? What is the scope of his, mis- his mission? Because I think in the course of our lives, we can get busy going to going to church on a Sunday, and we can go to do what we do during the week, and then we can go to church again, and, and we can do all these things, and we just forget to think about why are we doing what we're doing. Um, but the fact is, we need to reflect on the purposefulness of our lives, um, just our normal everyday lives, doing it on purpose. Uh, we can forget that God's great activity is in and through us. Uh, so what is God doing? We really liked on the, uh, at least on the website, I don't, I don't think it popped up here earlier, but on the website when it talked about CV, it says, uh, you know, your tagline says, joining God in the renewal of all things to bring communities to life. So that's, that's a great answer right there. What is God doing? He's being renewal. He make, he's making all things new. Um, and if you think about the scope of God's mission, God has made uh, the Christian into a new person, He's made groups of Christians collectively in to live as a new example of a, a new humanity. You know, the world is the way it is, but we're supposed to be different. Our life together should show what it's like to live under God's reign uh, or rule in God's kingdom, where God's ways are done. Now, it won't be fully complete or finished, mind you, until Jesus returns uh, and brings it all, comes back and, and, and sorts us all out. But in the meantime... He's working with us, and we have the opportunity to join with him in what he's doing. So, And this rolls out to every aspect of our lives. This isn't just, okay, I've renewed what I do on Sunday. I knew I used to have a lion, but now on Sunday I do something really special and get together with my church family. No, it's supposed to roll out to the whole of our lives. Um, every relationship we have in our families, uh, you know, in our role as parents, uh, children, spouses, siblings, it shapes us as employees, employers, um, all these things are under new management in our church family, uh, whether it's in our church family or people we meet on the street or in the shops. And hopefully, we'll be different as we do that, as we have those relationships wherever we go. Uh, we'll reflect God's kingdom. So as we talk about what, what God is doing, he's renewing all things. And um, we think that's pretty all. God's all is pretty all. And so he's redeeming and restoring relationships between people, uh, people who've been hurt, uh, God is healing the brokenhearted, people who have felt useless, uh, God is buying back and giving eternal purpose to every single person that will allow him to do so. The purpose of God is for us to exist in communities. It's a part of how he's made us. It's a part of God himself as Father, Son, and Spirit. And so it's fundamental to our nature as well. We're made even introverts are made to be in relationship with other people. So our family is a community given to us by God. Our church family is a community given to us by God. Um, our physical neighborhood is a community where God can be at work, where he can be restoring and transforming. And our presence there can change things can change the very fabric by the power of God's Spirit. So God's Spirit can work on 
larger levels can change companies, can change nations. You, uh, God wants to restore and redeem even the very structures of society where we live. You can't read very far in the Bible and understand that God's very concerned with how we live together. He's very concerned that our ways are right and just. And there's, there's so many verses in scripture that, that talk about God's heart for justice, uh, for his people and his world. So it isn't only people, it isn't only relationships, it's even the physical world that God wants to renew. The psalmist says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So we don't own the planet, although we forget, I think, and we act as if we do. We do have a tenancy agreement, though, uh, a lease from the owner, and we're to take good care of it. We're to tend it um, as the good creation God intends it to be. So the mission of God is for the whole of creation to know him, to reflect his character for every bit of creation and every person that he created, to worship him as rightful king, to live in relationship to him as his children, as his loved and cherished people. So God's mission hasn't changed throughout scripture. If we know who God is and what God is doing, then we too have a purpose because we share in God's purpose. We are long on his mission. We are called to be that light in darkness. We are called to be that fragrance, that very person of God. It's a big, big thing to think about, which is why we want to start with vision, because otherwise it can, you know, we can so often, and I think we can sort of make it, well, it's a to-do list. Okay, oh, i got to do this, i got to do this. And, man, it's one more thing on the list. No, no, no. Let's start with vision. Let's start with who we are and who God is. And then we put all the pieces in place and they make sense. But it is just our ordinary, everyday lives that God works in and that God works through. It's not some super Christian life. Sometimes we think, oh, it's for those other super Christian people. But it's not for me. And it's not just those big moments. Man, I'm waiting for that big moment where i got to make a big moral decision or a big choice, but it's God's power at work in our normal, everyday lives. And it's not because we're so wonderful, though I know some of you, and you are wonderful, but really it's not because we're wonderful, but it's because God is wonderful, and he acts towards us in grace and in love, things that we don't deserve, but he gives generously to work through us. It's a great passage in uh, Romans chapter 12. Uh, the message version says it in a given way. It says, so here's what I want you to do, uh, God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. So this passage goes on to speak about how God works in us 
a work of grace and how we're like a body. Many parts, uh, many functions, but still one purpose, helping each other as well. So our role is to be light, to be new, um, to be God's instruments to restore where we are, whether it's in our family, in our neighborhood, uh, job, interest, passion. Restore there. See what God might do. Pick any bit of God's great, big, wonderful world and live right there as a new human under God's command, filled with God's spirit, with his presence and power, being changed from the inside and influencing everything that's around you. So what does this look like? Now, this is where we this is where we come to our tool. I should have brought a tool, a hammer, but that looks that'd be a bit violent. A hammer, you know? Yeah, a hammer can do anything. Get, need a, need a screw put in the wall? Use a hammer. No, we're not we're not going to use that kind of a tool. The tool we're talking about today is uh, three words: up, in, and out. Um, up, we're going to use to describe how we engage with God uh, and being with Him regularly. This is where you think worship times, uh, devotional times, prayer. The word in for engaging with other believers to encourage each other as we follow Jesus. Um, this is where you think worship and uh, Bible study groups, uh, huddles, uh, coffee with uh, Christian friends. And then out, engaging others in our sphere of influence with the love of Christ, both in word and deed. And this is where you can think, you know, uh, the various conversations we have in our life through, the, through uh, daily life uh, and community transformation type activities. Now, I like this tool because up, in, and out, that's only seven letters. You know, I can't remember when Diane sends me to the grocery store if she gives me a list of more than three things, but I can remember seven letters. So that's why we, uh, I like this up, in, and out thing. So we'll give that a go. Okay, so we're going to describe it a little bit more and think about it. And as we, as we do, we'd like you to be reflecting, okay? If this is one way, a tool, one way to think about balanced discipleship, a whole missional life discipleship. Where am I at? What does this look like in, in my life? Are there, are there ways in which God's speaking to me about aspects of my balanced discipleship? Or maybe I'm, I'm more like an isosceles or something rather than equilateral. Okay. So up is, uh, engaging with God. It's our relationship with, with our father, this quality that is focused on that bit. And again, we can look at it two ways. Congregationally, you might see it most clearly in this Sunday morning time. Worship together. We hear from God. We hear from God through other people. Um, we think of um, of God and give him the worship that he is due. Um, God, God's spirit is speaking to us. Sometimes we have teaching as an opportunity for God's word to speak through us, his spirit to speak through us. We have prayer times. Uh, so it's a together time where we are engaged with God. We do have to be engaged for it to be meaningful. Physical presence isn't just enough. We have to open ourselves up and engage with God. But so our corporate up is one element of our, of our relationship with God, but it's not the only because we have our personal relationship with our Father. And hopefully Sunday morning is not the only time that you focus on God. Even on our own in the week, we need to be reminded who God is, what he is like. We need to worship him so that we get our own lives sorted because we can only do that when we're relating to him. We need to speak to God. We need to listen to God. 
as you evaluate your up, you can you can think, am I making choices that encourage my friendship with God? Am I mindful of worshiping God and being obedient to him who is the king of all kings? The list of how you can do this, endless, long, so many ways, especially now. But personal times of prayer, speaking to God, listening for God, reading or listening to scripture, podcasts, journaling, singing, whatever turns you on and connects you with God. Am I feeding myself from the word of God? Has God been reminding me of how I can follow him? When I think about the, this, this up element, I think there are some who perhaps only foster their personal life with God on a Sunday uh, in, in, in this setting like this. And if we compare that to eating, we could say perhaps that person is only eating one day a week. And, and I'm not a dietitian or anything, but I know that's not healthy. I know that's not healthy. So on a spiritual level, if this is the only time during the week when you're eating, I would encourage you by saying that's not healthy. Um, like our physical life that requires a daily intake of food, our spiritual life requires that as well. And if you're like me, you know, when you get bombarded with stuff that's in the news, if you turn the radio on in the morning and get the bad news just as you start the day, or (laughs) whatever, uh, we have things, messages and ideas and people and things coming at us all day, every day, and that can easily sidetrack us. So a key facet to our development is knowing how to feed our inner selves. When we're babies, we need somebody else to feed us. But given that most everyone in here is uh, a little bit, a uh, little more mature than that, uh, I would say that we probably need to learn how to very clearly feed ourselves. Now, what's great about that is that we don't necessarily all have to eat the same amounts. You know, there's some people who like to read through the Bible in a week. You go for it. You go for it. You know, I, I need to take, you know, a good nine months like that or 12 months, whatever it takes. Uh, we don't all need to eat the same amount, if you will, but we all need to find out, you know, what are those ways that God um, uh, feeds me? So uh, if you're not doing that, it might, you might be neglecting a task that is your responsibility. It's part of the personal aspect of our up relationship with God. Okay, the next two letters, in. Uh, engaging with other believers to encourage each other as we follow Jesus. This is the element of our faith where we recognize that we're in this together uh, as a team. We're in it as a family of disciples. In on a personal and congregational level. As we think about the word in... I'm going to share with you what I often say to folks, that being a Christian is a team sport. It's a team sport. Um, As a Christian, you're designed to have relationships with other Christians, both giving and receiving encouragement and giving and receiving accountability. Uh, I think that's very important. I mean, uh, I can think of some wacky folks uh, in the Christian world and just outside the Christian world, and they've gotten that way by thinking it's their way or no way, and they haven't had that kind of accountability and encouragement and maybe gentle correction that they've, you know, you're, you're, you've, gone, you've gone overboard there. You've gone out, outside of uh, what is, uh, would be God's best. So being a Christian is a team sport. Uh, it's tough in our individualistic culture, I think, or especially, um, again, this is an outsider perspective, uh, especially in, in the culture here where perhaps people are, you know, at least stereotypically, more private about my private life and I don't want somebody else invading my private life and telling me what I should do. But, you know, there are some things about our culture we need to react against when we come into relationship with God. And God says, hey, being a person of faith, 
we're meant to live together as a team, as a family. And so it's not that we bear our souls to everyone, but we need that accountability and support. So you and I perhaps even have met people who say, well, you know, I'm a Christian, but uh, I don't need to go to church. Uh, I don't need to go to church. Well, a key component of our Christian life is our life together. Time and again, the Bible describes how we are like a body, uh, like a family, like an army, and each of us has experiences, uh, spiritual gifts, and amazing hearts. And all of these things should work together, work together to demonstrate God's qualities, God's message, and God's intention for life. So on our own, we, like I say, we get to think in all kinds of wacky things. We can become convinced of our own opinions. We can get to believing our doubts and doubting our beliefs. And uh, unless we have that support and accountability from other other Christians who can help us uh, see more clearly, we can we can go uh, go off track quite clearly, uh, quickly rather. As a matter of fact, one of the things that I've have learned over the past number of years, and probably wasn't something I necessarily learned when I was growing up, uh, was that God that speaks through the Holy Spirit often to a group of people, through a group of people. So it is really encouraging when you feel like God's telling you something and then, you know, maybe somebody else in the group says, hey, I feel like God's encouraging us to do this. It's like, wow, you know, I thought I thought it was just me. Uh, so that's great, good confirmation. So as you look at the in element of the Central Vineyard family, do you hold teamness as important? Are you committed to using what you have to build others up in this body? You know, have you thought about how, you know, earlier those several things that were mentioned in terms of how you can get involved, how you can serve this congregation. Do you give financially? That's That was on the list as well. So are you deliberate about encouraging the this CV family in some way? Are you willing to be open and responsible to other people? So how is that in element of your discipleship? Okay, rounding out the triangle is out. Out. Okay, now this can be seen most clearly or thought about in the outworking of our faith or our outward attention to the world and people around us. How are we living out, demonstrating our faith? How are we uh, living it out daily so that people can see and experience what this new humanity that God has made us looks like? So out on a personal level, um, The out aspect of our faith happens in so, so many ways. But I just want to try to envision a a few just to get the kind of wheels going. And This is our life following God in relationship to people and to the world around us. And again, it isn't often, I don't think, the big, big moments. Very few of us have big moments, very often anyway, where you've got to make this huge stand-up decision. I mean... It happens, and we've got to make those. But I think it's really more about um, our normal daily life. It's life in public. It's life in our families. It's life in our workplace. It's life um, living as a person that is being changed from the inside out. We're called to be light in a dark world. We're called to be salt that seasons It's life lived with the intention, intentionality of being light and salt. We're the hands and feet of God. Um, We are people who are buying back the world for God's kingdom, for his kingdom ways. Uh, So in every every setting that we are living as new, different people, 
that's what we're doing. That's an out. What does it look like? It might be as simple as going out of the way and being intentional to be friendly and caring to other people. So much power. So much power in that. Not scary friendly like grab your children. There's something very strange about that person. Not that kind of scary uh, friendly. But making an effort to be caring for people, to speak to people, to the shop worker, the neighbor, the dog walker, the parent in the playground, because we see them as someone who God loves and values. It's easy uh, to be in all those situations and do nothing. In fact, that's normal. I might even say it's cultural. It's easy to do that. But a part of a balanced discipleship means that we are people who make an effort because we're changed and we're transformed. Out might mean that we're talking to friends who have an issue, a challenge, a problem, and we say to them, can I pray with that, pray for you about that? Can I pray about that now? Can I pray about that later? Then we do pray about it. We pray about it then and there with them. We pray about it when we go away and we follow up. As someone who is living out discipleship in God's world, it should be a natural thing. We can develop it to be a natural thing to speak to God out of our care and concern for other people. Of course, we have to be discerning of context. Uh, but I think it's just too easy to think, oh, it'll be a bit awkward. What if they say no? They say no. You say, okay, no problem. No problem. But, you know, I think my experience is most people are quite genuinely moved and happy that you would care enough for them to want to pray, even if they don't think it does any good. So how will I live out life in, in relationship with my family, with my coworkers, with my uh, neighbors, and with the people I interact with during the week? How will I, uh, what will I do with my time, my money, my talents, my, uh, my gifts um, that demonstrates that I am living out God's kingdom's, kingdom ways? How does my faith work out every day? Much of our out is, in, like we've talked about, uh, doing normal everyday life with an awareness that we're doing it in partnership with God. You know, I wonder I wonder who God will bring me across my path today. I wonder what God's spirit is going to do. I think there's a night, uh, one example, you know, say you like gardening. You know, what what can I do with gardening? Well, I can, again, I can take my hammer. No, that's my favorite gardening tool is the saw. Uh, you know, so if it's in the way, we saw it down. That's my favorite gardening tool. Uh, but if, if, if you like proper gardening, not like saw gardening, um, you could say, you know, what? how could I use this uh, to serve God? Because gardening is something, you know, it's something, if, if it's something you naturally normally do, you know, you, you have a green thumb and you appreciate those kind of things, you know. Could you serve someone who can't do their own gardening? Uh, could you join a community gardening group and see what kind of relationships that God uh, brings across your way? You don't, you don't have to start a ministry. You can join what is going on somewhere else, you know. But how can you uh, naturally bring God's um, spirit into a situation? How can you naturally be God's ambassador so that people um, recognize there's something different going on here? This is, but you're, you know, this is a, a normal part of your life. As you evaluate the out element of your personal life, are you convinced with all your desire that God does care about people? Maybe you think, well, God cares about us normal people, whatever normal is, but he doesn't care about those people. Um, 
So do you see how God has placed you in relationships and in locations that would be a million times better if only God were present? I mean, I've been to parish council meetings in my neighborhood, and I've just thought, oh, they've started. Aren't they supposed to pray? Oh, no, it's a parish council meeting. We don't pray. We don't have a hope in, we don't have a hope without without praying. But uh, So I I said, well, I'm going to pray that uh, God will help these folks make some good decisions. But... uh, but we can pray that God will open up opportunities for us to, to plant a seed. And that might even only be one person at a time. Do you know that God's very spirit is in you and he's able to bless others through you and your experiences? Maybe you've had all kinds of rubbish experiences in your life. Well, you know what? God has brought you through those. He's taught you something. Perhaps made you just a, maybe, if anything, made you a stronger person. You have an opportunity to share God, uh, share what God has done on a daily basis in that way. Now, out on a congregational level, this is this is where we uh, uh, look at the church family around you. You look around this room and you go, this is an amazing group of people. This is an amazing group of people. We're a very diverse bunch. There's no doubt that we have influence in probably a dozen places. Maybe two dozen. No, probably hundreds of places. All of us here, whether workplaces or on our street. We probably don't all live in the same street. I haven't seen you on Pete Street. Or Ken and Ann Street. So you must live on another street. So there's lots of influence. Lots of influence. Lots of places. All of these are places where Central Vineyard has a chance to demonstrate God's care and concern. We each have that opportunity to impact our circle of friends. And maybe even the occasional stranger on occasion. So that's the out on a congregational level. What else might it look like? Well, it might be that one of you has a friend, a neighbor, or a colleague who needs some help, but it's it's more than you can do. Maybe you recognize they've got a need. I know them, uh, but I don't really know how to do it. But I've got a friend who might be able to, or some friends. Maybe I get my connect group and we'll go and, and help somebody. Now that's an idea. You know, that's the idea. Don't don't think that okay, God's brought this person in my life. I got to fix them. Oh man, how am I do this? Um, I mean, God's done that for me. You know, He's given me. People in my life, and I'm like, God, why did you bring them to me? I have no experience with these people, uh, so so I got to find somebody and, and find some other folks, and we've worked together to help somebody. So, uh, as a matter of fact, as we've chatted with uh, the Willis family and, and have learned about the, uh, the the growth of Street Church and with Restore Northampton, do you call it Restore? Or do you say R E Store Northampton? Oh, okay, just just making sure we, we don't say the colon. The colon is silent. Okay, Restore Northampton and the Good Loaf. Uh, you know, those as examples, we've seen how the CD leadership is trying to uh, help you to uh, restore and redeem the world. And I'm just just really love those those things. And and like I say, the alpha course that's coming up, maybe the alpha course isn't for you. Maybe you think, hey, I'm a Christian. You know, that's for one of those beginner Christians or people who are just kind of exploring. Why are you praying for somebody that you might invite or say, hey, you know, maybe there are ways I can encourage those who are going along. And it sounds like I want everybody to be involved however they can. So that's be great. So you might think that expressing your followership of Jesus through some of these ways, you go, well, that's okay for somebody. is not for me. It's not for me. But perhaps you're wrong. Perhaps um, you thought before you became a Christian, well, that's not for me. It's for those strange people that follow Jesus. But now you have an experience of what it is to follow Jesus and allow him to transform your life and your attitude and your actions. So you might not see now how God could use you in some of these settings or in some of those ways or in many other ways. But until you try and experience and allow God, um, you don't know what God might do. 
We have to allow God to transform our way of thinking. Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can figure out what God's will is, what is good and pleasing and mature. So we allow God to enlarge our heart um, and realize that he can work through us. And then we grow as our discipleship of out grows and we have a more balanced discipleship. So having this balanced discipleship up in and out, it can be a challenge. It can be a, a great challenge because it necessitates that God's spirit transforms us. And if God's spirit is not at work in us, then we're, we're shaped by our culture and we're shaped by our sinful nature. And in many ways, our culture is against faithful discipleship and balanced discipleship. Our lives are busy. We think, you know, I don't have enough time. My list is too long. I don't even get enough sleep because I have too many responsibilities. And our culture says, that's a badge of honor. You must be important because you are so busy. And obviously, um, that means you're valuable. But our value does not come from those things. Our value comes because we are a loved child of God. And our culture can be all about me. It's about my entertainment. We have endless. We can't even name the ways we can have amusement and enjoyment. We work for the weekend. We work until we can go on holiday. We work so we can go home and watch TV, do Facebook, read the blogs, hit the news, chill, relax. And chilling and relaxing is a God-given part of the rhythm of our life so that we aren't running the rat race that our culture tells us to with no margin for rest and renewal and reflection. But on the other hand, our culture says, but it's all about you and what you want. How do we pursue the things of God? How do we pursue a balanced discipleship? It's a challenge. It's a lifelong challenge, but it requires us to stop and think. And people. People are hard work. People are hard work. You know, God brings us someone interested in following him. And, you know, it'd be great if that person had their life sorted already. But God brings us, brings people into our life, and for whatever reason, we have a real sense that, hey, you know, somehow I'm supposed to encourage this person. You know, God, help me. And it's going to it's gonna cost me my time and my energy and, and my money and maybe my Saturday. And, you know, so to be involved in the lives of the other people who are trying to follow Jesus and those who aren't following Jesus, it's going to cost you something. And it can be slow. And, and people don't get it the first time. And sometimes people will hurt you. That happens, doesn't it? And... Yet we're called to forgive, we're called to help again, we're called to be patient, and it's, it can be hard work with very little visible reward. But we're called to demonstrate what Jesus is like. He says, I'm, I'm going I'm to be with you, I'm going to give you strength, I'm going to give you encouragement, and remember what I've done for you. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, so give that to somebody else. You know, I've been patient with you, so I want you to take that and uh, do that with somebody else. So working for a balanced discipleship is a challenge, and it'll be... If you can think of it, you know, that, that triangle is rather static, isn't it? Just kind of, yeah, that's a perfect, perfect triangle. You know, our triangles are going to go, it'd be one of those real dynamic, one of those real dynamic triangles that works around. Maybe the points aren't so pointy. They're just kind of, but anyhow, striving for that up in and out uh, balance, um, hopefully that's a good seven letter tool for you like it is for me. Because uh, God's grace is towards us. He is patient. He's willing to stay in the long haul with us and transform us. And even as he's working to transform us, uh, he's calling us to uh, 
impact others that are around us. And uh, because God's Spirit is with us and will give us strength, um, we can participate in, in that. So we celebrate that we have a relationship up with the creator of the world, in with the church family, and out as we participate in God's mission. Amen. As we were singing, we're, we're done, but I've made an additional note. Because as we were singing, um, one of the things I, I, I wonder if God is saying to us, uh, we sang the song, You Make Me Brave. And it really strikes me that fear is a paralyzer. It keeps us still. Fear keeps us from moving in some way. And it might be fear um, in one aspect of our discipleship that we need to uh, identify and ask God to work with us about. It might be um, it might be fear in some area that God is speaking to you about. And I'm reminded of First Timothy, Second Timothy one seven, where He says He's not given us a spirit of fear. The spirit of God is not a spirit of fear. It's a spirit of power and of love and of self discipline. And we have to have all of those, but they're not from us. We don't muster them up. We allow God to transform us, and they're from him. So maybe that's a word for somebody.